So last night, I got to do something unique that was a huge honor for me. Uh, my aunt and uncle came down from Illinois uh, because they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. So after the Mass last night, I got to do a special blessing and renew their vows for their 50th wedding anniversary. And I mean, it was just so great uh, to see. Now, as I said last night, I, I kind of introduced them and said to my Aunt Carol Ann and Uncle Joe. And I said, but honestly, that's probably only the second time in my life I've referred to her as that, because since I was very little, uh, she had babysat me when I was a little guy, and ever since then, I have always called her Aunt Nana. Like, it just never stopped. And so when I had to say Aunt Carol Ann, it felt very weird, you know? And actually, even in the renewal at first, I said, Aunt Nana, do you take Uncle Joe? Da, 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 da. Now, when we actually got to another part, I did say Carol Ann and Joe, but it was very awkward for me. But it was nice to get to do that and just to get to be with them in that wonderful celebration of their 50th wedding anniversary and surprising them, two out of their three children came down from Illinois as well. My cousin, Laura who reminds me every year in her Christmas card that she is my favorite cousin. And she also was uh, one of our babysitters growing up. And then my cousin, Sarah, who when I was in kindergarten, Sarah was my eighth grade pal. So I remember at the time being in kindergarten and thinking Sarah was like the coolest person in the world. You know, I mean, an eighth grader, they're so tall. They have it all together. She's cool and wise and tough. And I remember thinking like, wow, the eighth grade. And then I got there myself. And now I was taller. I never got cooler or wiser or tougher. But I remember getting to that point in life and sort of realizing, wait a second, I'm in eighth grade now too, and I don't have it all figured out. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm a few years past eighth grade now, and I still don't have it all figured out, you know? It's funny how that kind of happens, how we have this sort of point in the future, these people that we look to and think, oh, clearly they've got it all together, they know what's going on, and they understand everything. They, they're just tough and self-sufficient and all this. But... We never really hit that point. I feel like it's kind of like an open secret. Everybody is still kind of learning what's going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't do our best to fulfill the roles that we have. I mean, I am the pastor of Sacred Heart. I'm doing my best, right? Like I'm showing up. I'm, I'm trying to fulfill my responsibilities. We all have our different states in life, mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and, you know, bosses and managers and employees and even eighth graders, right? Like we're all trying to do our best. And yet, even though at one point in our life, we may look ahead to someone and think, oh, when I get there, I'll be all ready to go. And that day never really comes. But I would say on this Sunday, we can kind of say, but thanks be to God. Why do I say that? Because this is the Sunday that we are reminded every year that we have the good shepherd, right? That we are not called to get to the point where we've got it all figured out and now we can just do it alone and we're just totally independent. That isn't what we're supposed to do. Ultimately, we have a Messiah we have the one who gives us these great examples today, these awesome figures of speech and analogies to tell us that he has come 
to call us by name, that we recognize his voice, that he moves us into that fulfillment every day, that you don't have to be afraid because you don't have it all figured out. Even if you're a CEO or a president or whatever else, we all need his help. And I'll tell you, this particular gospel, so we just started the 10th chapter here of the Gospel of John. This comes right from the 9th chapter, which we got back on the fourth Sunday of Lent. And that's the whole story of Jesus healing the man born blind, right? So gradually, that man comes to see. I mean, I kept calling him Billy the blind guy, right? Like gradually over time, like he gets stronger and stronger. He stands up to the Pharisees. And you know, to the point where they say, you were born totally in sin and you're trying to teach us. And then Jesus comes and finds him and he worships him. And it's like Billy the blind guy has has his sight at that point, that Jesus has given him that sight that he's with him. And then the Pharisees say, we're not blind too, are we? And he says, well, you say that you're not, but clearly you are. And then he continues on right here with these things about him being the gate, him being the good shepherd, and they still just don't get it. They're convinced of their own righteousness. They've got it all figured out. But clearly they don't. And we have this great example of someone who at first is trying to do it on his own steam, his own strength. But we see today this fulfillment of the way he's changed. And that's St. Peter. Between both the first and the second reading, the church gives us this example of Peter. Because think back to Holy Thursday, to the Last Supper, right? Jesus predicts the fact that one of you will betray me. And good old St. Peter, not me, Lord, even if I have to die for you, I, I won't betray you. Even if everybody else goes away, I won't betray you. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, you know, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And it happens, right? He even has the prediction. He should know that it's coming, right? It's like if I tell you, hey, it's supposed to rain today, you grab your umbrella, you take it with you. He should have had it in mind that this was a possibility, but of course he forgot. He denies Jesus three times to a couple of servant girls and then runs away and weeps bitterly. But as we know, the story doesn't end there, right? On the Sea of Galilee, there's that beautiful interaction at another charcoal fire where Jesus asks him three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And we have that first foundation of the love of Christ. Look at what Peter is capable of. I mean, the way that the reading begins today is so awesome. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed. And notice what he's about to proclaim. Let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. Those are fighting words, right? At this point, he's not denying Jesus to a handful of servant girls. He's standing up in front of the whole house of Israel with the other eleven apostles and proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming that Jesus is crucified and risen from the dead. He is boldly proclaiming what they need to do. Something's different. And you can see the difference unfolding because the second reading is from the first letter of St. Peter, the same St. Peter, giving us like a homily. And notice at this point, it's not Peter saying, I did great. I haven't messed up. No, he's proclaiming Christ at this point. That Jesus is with us. By his wounds, we are healed. That he is the good shepherd who has gone after his straying sheep. That he is with us. 
Peter is such a good example of what it is when you try to go it all by yourself, when you think you've got it all figured out on your own. What happens then? You fall on your face. But we don't have to worry about the falling on our face as long as we don't stray. The good shepherd is with us all of the time. And like I said about my cousin Laura, she was our babysitter, right? Think about the good shepherd kind of like a good babysitter. He doesn't come in there like, I'm going to rule you all with an iron fist. That's not the way our Lord does that. A good babysitter comes in, yes, enforces the rules, but wants you to have a good time and just not burn the house down in the process, right? It's the same way with our lives. He wants us to live virtuous, happy, full lives. Look what he says at the end of the gospel today. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And when we can avoid sin, when we can repent and be baptized, as St. Peter said to the house of Israel, right? When we can have our sins washed away, and even after baptism in the confessional, we can avoid those things that take us away from him and one another. We get life and have it more abundantly. We live to the fullness of what God has made us to be, whatever our state in life is. And we don't have to worry about the fact if we don't feel like, ah, I don't have it all figured out. Because the Good Shepherd is with us throughout it all. Continues to give us the sacraments, as is foreshadowed in the Psalms, right? You spread the table before me. My cup overflows. It's Eucharistic imagery. You anoint my head. It's confirmation. You set me beside the wrestle waters. It's baptism. He's with us throughout it all. And so we don't have to be afraid, no matter what state in life we're at, whether we're a kindergartner or an eighth grader, whether we're preparing for marriage or whether we've been married for 50 years. The fact of the matter is, none of us knows exactly what's coming next, and none of us has gone where the good shepherd has gone before yet. He died and rose from the dead, and we're all striving to follow him. We know that we will all die at one point, but... The good shepherd has gone before us. And think about that imagery of like dad jumping into the pool ahead of you and then turning around and saying, jump in, you can trust me. And it's the same thing with the good shepherd. We don't have to pretend that we've got it all together and got it all figured out. Why? Because he's with us. Not to dominate us with an iron fist, but to guide us along. He calls us by name. We know his voice. And he sets us out in the adventure that is life. But it's not one that's terrifying. Why? Because we have the good shepherd with us who wants us to have life and to have it abundantly. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, I know that there are times where life is absolutely overwhelming. Don't worry. Stay close to the good shepherd. He who has laid down his life for you and taken it up again. He wants to continue to guide you that today and every day you may have life and have it more abundantly. Praise be Jesus Christ.